Welcome to The Buck Stops Here, the official podcast of NotInHallOfFame.com, and I'm your host, The Buck, Kirk Buckner, owner, operator of NotInHallOfFame.com, and the sister sites, the Fictitious Athlete Hall of Fame and the Fictitious Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I had the great opportunity of talking with Kamala the Ugandan Headhunter. If you're a wrestling fan, you know exactly who I'm talking about. In the 80s and early 90s, he was in the WWE for multiple times, uh, three occasions specifically, but he wrestled all over the world, uh, and he was a headliner in Texas when he wrestled there, in the Mid-South area, in WWE, in WCW, you name it, he was at the top. Wrestling has always been full of these over-the-top characters, and Kamala was the man. There was nobody else like him before, nobody else like him since. And I had a chance to talk to the man behind the face paint, James Harris, a great man from the state of Mississippi. Very, very humble, very kind. And I really hope that you enjoy this interview. It's a brief one, but there's few men that you just get a sense just when you're talking to them, just how kind and generous that they are just from the moment that you, that you hear him speak. And I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. And without further ado, I give you James Harris, Kamala, the Ugandan headhunter. So it's such a pleasure to talk with you today. Uh, you've always been sort of one of my favorite characters in wrestling. Uh, I've always thought that you were the perfect territory wrestler in, in that you could always come into a place, get pushed right to the top, and then, it, and then sort of put someone over on the way out. And it worked over and over and over again. Uh, would that be a fair assessment of the Kamala character? Uh, yeah. And uh, a lot of people know you mostly for what you did in the WWE, but there was so much more uh, than what you did. You uh, essentially started off in the Memphis Territory, if, if I understand correctly, or at least with the Kamala character. And how was that presented yeah. to you by, uh, I, I understand it was Jerry Lawler who came up with that. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, Jerry Lawler, Jerry, Jerry. Uh, they, the, they the one that came up with. And how was it presented to you? How was it presented to me? Yes. Uh, I was in Memphis. Uh, I used to live in England at the time. And I, I uh, came home in 1982. I went to the Memphis Rapman looking for Troy Graham, the late Troy Graham. I was looking at looking for him to get some wrestling types. And uh, he wasn't there. Uh, Jerry Lawler told me to look, uh, uh, he's not here. He said, uh, what can I help you with? I said, I just wanted to see Troy. He said, well, he's not here. So he went in there. He said he wanted to talk to me. And he said, I have a gimmick for you. But you will make more money than you ever made. So I went for it. And it was good to me. Um, up and up until I stopped wrestling. But it was a good gimmick to me. It, it was one of the greatest gimmicks, I think, that wrestling has ever seen. 
when when you started to try to prepare for that, you had never been to uh, Uganda. Had you even have you even been to Uganda at all, or even Africa? Uh, I used to live in Africa too, but I've never been to Uganda. I was in uh, Zimbabwe. Oh. Uh, uh, One thing, because I was trying to find, unfortunately, a lot of the Memphis footage uh, isn't available. Uh, when I'm wa- So I was watching the, as much as I could of your work uh, in that first run. How soon before you debuted, before you were main eventing with uh, Jerry Lawler at the Mid-South Coliseum? I started off. I started off right after he put the gimmick on me. And I started off... Uh, Main event. Oh, wow. Yeah. The one thing, though, that I sort of, uh, then I saw a, a bit of a pattern with how the character was sort of presented. Uh, it was you, it was such a great gimmick, and then I always, I felt as I was sort of like watching or learning as much history as I could, that they took it and then just heard it almost right away when they had uh, Plowboy Frazier do Kamala too. Um. Yeah, uh, I, was, <coughs> I was drawing on uh, the crowds, and they brought Flatwood Frazier in, and then all the people just stopped coming. They stopped coming to see me then, because they, back then they believed in wrestling, and uh, but after. They, they believed I was from Uganda. Mm-hmm. And after that, yeah, but after Flat Wash Razor came in, they said, I, I, I could just uh, understand how they felt. Flat Wash Razor came in as a model too, and he acted like he couldn't talk. So that killed his finger. Yeah, and for oh, totally. And and for those who aren't aware, uh, Plowboy Frazier uh, would later be Uncle Elmer in the WWE, but he is a Caucasian individual, uh, roughly your size. But all the people in Memphis had seen him before, and when they introduced him, uh, that clip I was able to find online, and you have Lance Russell laughing. It kills it right dead, which had to hurt you in the process. Yes, it killed it right then. So what I did, I just left and went to Mid-South Sport. That's what Cowboy Bill watched. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, uh, Cowboy Bill watched, he used me good. And I drew a lot of money down there. Bill, Bill watched paid me well. And... After that, I went to Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I stayed with Bill, Bill almost two years. And I went to, to Texas with the Von Erics. And I did the same thing down there. I drew all, drew all kind of money. And uh, 
I was paid well. So I was very satisfied with them. Did you have a lot of time? I, I saw that you were rest, you wrestled a bit in Japan uh, for for all Japan. Was did you wrestle more in Japan, or was it just a few stints for that promotion? Uh, just a few times. How, how did uh, you, all Japan? Did you like wrestling in Japan, or not really? Because it's not it's no no. What what didn't you like about it? Well, one thing I didn't like the promoter. Because they wanted to beat me all the time, and I wouldn't go for that. Really? So, wow. He told me, so now, if you don't uh, let me beat you, then I, you won't come back to Japan. I said, okay, but I'm finished now. I'm finished. I don't care about him. We'll go back again. Uh, so that was a and, gi- Giant Baba who was the promoter at the time? Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. So, uh, in a way, I didn't go back to the promotion, but I went back a few more times. And one time, the WWE, uh, they sent me there, and I went to Japan for one day, and uh, they paid me really well, and that was it. Uh, so you've uh, talked a bit about uh, some of the pay that you've received. Uh, you've also been vocal in other interviews that overall you didn't really get your fair share. Uh, I know that a lot of other uh, pro wrestlers have sort of felt that way. Uh, I, but for someone who has been in the main event, uh, you've been in the main event uh, in WWE, in Texas, uh, Mid-South, everywhere. Uh, and Again, just to put this in perspective... When you were main eventing in the in when it was then called the World Wrestling Federation, we're talking about uh, Madison Square Gardens, uh, Philadelphia, and multiple runs with Hulk Hogan on top. So that should have generated a lot of money, but you weren't really paid fair, were you? No, I was not. I was not paid fair, and I had a talk with Vince, and uh, he said, "Well, this is in the way. Yes, you can make more money. You're welcome to go." So. He had taken over all the territories, so it was no way up to go. But when I, I did go to WCW, and they treated me bad down there, so I left. And I came home, and I wouldn't even talk to no, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't talk to no wrestler. And I just started driving through. <laughs> and I was driving truck. Oh, uh, started driving truck in 1970. I didn't start wrestling until 78. So that's what I did. I went back to my first love driving truck. Okay. The the character. The one thing I've always been sort of been curious. Uh, actually, a lot more curious since I've been watching the early footage of you in Memphis. How did you evolve the character of Kamala? Because he, because your, your your character sort of became more. I think the word I'm sort of looking for is mischievous. I didn't understand the question. Okay, so when when, when Kamala first came out in Memphis, uh, your mannerisms in the ring were different than what a lot of people saw in the WWE. 
Uh, you weren't sort of patting the belly. Uh, you weren't doing the growls as much. Like, how did you evolve the character, or like, like what sort of made you think to alter to change it up a bit? Uh, I don't remember changing it up any, but I was the same character mm-hmm. uh, everywhere I went, and I I did the same thing everywhere I went. Okay, because so, uh, the, the makeup was a little different that you used. So you changed a bit of the face paint um, from from the original. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah, I changed the uh, paint on my face because it was easier for me to, to paint it the way they painted it, more than Derek Derek. So that's what I went with. Mm-hmm. See, they used to have a stop. They used to have a star on top of my head. Well, I couldn't paint on top of my head. <laughs> I suppose so not. That's what I. That's what I changed. One thing, as I was sort of doing uh, more research uh, on you, I came across, uh, and I, I hope you sort of go back and do some more of this. Your YouTube channel of Kamala and Son. Yeah, yeah, we did that. At- some independent shows around Memphis. And, well, we did a few more places down in Mississippi. But anyway, we were just doing something. It wasn't any big, big time. No, but it was very, very entertaining. Uh, and, and through there, it's also, uh, I got the chance to discover some of the music that you've been recording. Uh, a lot of wrestlers do shoot interviews. I think... Your song "Push It, Pull It" is probably the best shoot interview of all time. It probably was, but it was coming from my heart, and it was coming what I what I knew and how I was treated in their WWF. Uh, it was WWF then, mm-hmm. but I. I would say, I know WWF was the worst promotion for me to work for than any of them in, you know, all all my wrestling career. Because in that song, you discussed uh, uh, the the weak payoffs, uh, essentially that you've got to play play a certain political game, uh, sexual favors, that certain other wrestlers, I won't go into it here, uh, part, partook in and how the drug policy, it only, it only applied if, if they were, if you were a lower card wrestler and through that, through your song, I mean, it, it was entertaining, informative, and there was a lot, a lot of other songs you did. Uh, what is your musical influence? Uh, cause I, I felt like I was hearing a lot of new Orleans style in your music. Is that correct? Or am, am I wrong? Yes, uh, in my music, in some of my music, I did mention the WWF. Uh, I just couldn't help but doing it. Because in my song, in some of my songs, not all of them, it's true. But yeah, not all your songs uh, are wrestling related. 
And uh, I think I read that you wrote uh, almost 100, I believe. Excuse me, what was the question? I think uh, not all of your songs are wrestling related. I think a lot of your songs that you've sung, I think you've written about 100 of them at this point. Yes. Uh, no, they were not all uh, wrestling related. I, I wrote a lot of them that was just, just uh, some of them that uh, I just wanted to sing, but I wanted to make my own uh, lyrics. Mm-hmm. When you were growing up, who was sort of some of the music musicians that you looked up to or that you really enjoyed? Like whose records did you did you have? Oh, I like blues, like Jimmy Reed, BB uh, King. Uh, I, uh, I just, I can't think of them all right now. I, I wasn't prepared for that. But I liked a lot of blues. I liked Patti LaBelle also. And I liked Madonna. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Beyonce. Well, that was, I was a young man then. And, uh, I just really like their music and I try to I mix some of their music with I mean not music some of their lyrics with my songs and uh, is there a certain is was there a lot of uh, influence in, in so I can, here's in your music there's a lot of the blues in there there's I feel like there's a bit of swamp pop in there also because you've got you've got a keyboard, you got your own little uh, thing going on. Uh, so you're you're laying down tracks, and there was one clip I found, I think, sort of later on in Memphis, where you're actually lip syncing to your own song in character. Was uh, well, there there was a clip I found. Uh, I think it was uh, later in Memphis, probably around uh, 2000, and Jerry Lawler is introducing you. Uh, you've got the Kamala face paint on. You're wearing a suit, and then you're and you're lip syncing, but it's actually you're lip syncing to your own music. Yes, I did that. I remember that, and that was uh, that was yeah. incredible. Yeah, I did that. I remember that well. Uh, I was doing a song called "Can't Live Like That." Mm-hmm. That was the name of the song. And just the visuals of that, and I think I don't think anyone in the audience even knew that you were actually lip-syncing to your own material, which made it even more incredible to me to watch that as a yeah. fan. Yeah, uh, I was getting a lot of cheers from it. You know, and I, you could hear him saying Kamala, saying Kamala. <laughs> and, uh... Yes, when they when I was hit with the guitar, uh, uh, Jerry Law kept telling me, "Keep singing, keep singing, keep singing, <laughs> keep singing." But I had forgotten what to do. <laughs> One thing also that you've been doing that uh, recently that I another thing I, that I just absolutely love. I found also that you've got this great T-shirt. Uh, Kamala for President 2020, because you're the real Kamala, not Ka- not Kamala Harris. 
hell not to come out of Harris. Some, some of them confused me for Kamala Harris. So I start with no, I start telling the people that it was pro wrestler Kamala Harris. And, uh, but when they see me with the shirt on, then they would, they would know it's me and not Kamala Harris and, uh, California. Yeah, so and it's got that great T-shirt, Kamala for president, and it's with your face in, in the middle of the first zero of 2020. Right. Is that available for sale anywhere? Yes. Yes, you can go to uh, wrestlingtees.com and order Kamala T-shirts. They got a lot of different kinds. It just it don't have just Kamala twenty twenty. There is another a lot of other uh, shirts that I had. So, if you could indulge me, I just want to share a couple uh, memories that I have of watching you wrestle. Uh, one of them was in the Maple Leaf Gardens, and you were involved in a tag team tournament match uh, where the winners would face the Heart Foundation that night. And I remember thinking that the character Kamala at the time, I mean, now granted I was much younger, and it, and it was a time where you just want to like suspend your disbelief of everything, but I always thought, how can Kamala be in a tag match? Yeah, that, that was WWE had broke it down like that. Did that and, b- uh, bother you, like whenever they sort of like use your, because that it made no sense to me, for you to be tagging with anybody. It, no, that, but it didn't make any sense with doing that. But now I did a tag team in Texas. But when they come over and tag me, I would hit them. I, I would just knock them out. <laughs> I didn't. I thought they was hitting me in uh, for real. And uh, you know, it made sense the way I did it. <laughs> No, that's that's fantastic because I didn't see I, I didn't get to see it that uh, that in Texas, but I, I did see uh, the WWF version. It's uh, is there? It, oh, sorry, go ahead, please. Is it? What's the question? Oh no, I was just, I was just saying I, I never I never had the opportunity to see that that uh, tag match in Texas. I'll try to look for that after. Is there any? I know you've got a book out. Is there? Can you let people know how they can get a copy of that? I don't know how they could get a copy of it. Uh, well, what they? Yes, I know what they can do. They can go to Kamala versus Andre the Giant, and they can might they might can get a copy of it that way. But I don't know. Okay, no worries. I'll love. I'll uh, I'll edit something in after. I'll talk to Kenny, and he'll let me know how people can get that because I, I want to make sure that anyone listening is able to sort of get your merchandise. Yes, you can get my merchandise from uh, uh, the, uh, and you can also order my book. Which is a great book, I think. It is. Uh, I've had the pleasure. I had the pleasure yes, of reading you, it. You, yes, you can go to 
KamalaSpeaks.com. And that's KamalaSpeaks.com. Perfect. Is there any, any uh, last thing you'd like to say out to your fans? I would like to say to my fans that supported me for all these years, I want to say thanks. And I love you very much. But they, because they was not a part of um, uh, my payroll. What I mean, they didn't call me to not get paid well. But they cheered me on and they loved it to see Kamala. It's been a pleasure. Love, oh, sorry, I interrupted I you. Love, I love Yeah, I want them to know that I love them all. And and they all uh, and they all love you. Uh, it's 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 got to be sort of surreal in a way that you were the, this this character who terrorized people. Kids were afraid of you, and they all grew up just absolutely loving you and, and just hearing all these great stories about like what a wonderful guy you are. It's it's got to touch your heart a bit. Uh, yes, uh, they all uh, loved me. Is that? If, if that would answer the question. It does. Th uh, James, thank you so much for being on the show, and hopefully I'll get a chance to talk to you again. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed that. It was a pleasure for me to talk with Kamala, and if I fanboyed out a lot, and if it sounded like I did, it's because I did. Look for more interviews coming at the buck stops here, and as always, we thank you for your support.